Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The lights are out. Curry gets it. The lights go out. The game is over. And we're here to pick up the pieces. This is Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Double to Porter Jr. Pump fake. Fly by. Off the dribble three. Got another one. Automatic. 78-72. There's still time. There's still life. And there would be time and there would be life and there would be a victory for the Golden State Warriors. Game four of the Western Conference semifinals in the books from Chase Center. And the Warriors able to eke it out. 101-98 over the Grizzlies. They outscore Memphis. 39-29 in the fourth quarter. The Warriors would take their first lead of the ball game in the fourth quarter in the closing seconds uh, with 45.7 to go. A couple of Steph Curry free throws giving the Warriors their first lead of the night at 94-93. Uh, the game had been tied four times at that point. The Warriors had trailed by as many as 12 and uh, some grit and grind and a lot of really good free throw shooting for the Golden State Warriors. That's right, I said it. The Warriors won this game tonight because of quality free throw shooting to the tune of 20 of 22, and even better than that in the fourth quarter, 15 for 17 in the fourth quarter for the Warriors. They scored their final 11 points of the game from the free throw line, so the Warriors win this one 101-98. to uh, let's react to it at 888-957-9570. That is the phone number to give me a call or shoot me a text here on Warriors Wrap-Up. John Dickinson from Chase Center as uh, the Warriors now lead this best-of-seven series over the Grizzlies three games to one. They'll look to close it out in Memphis on Wednesday night uh, with Game 5 to be played, uh, of course, right here on 95-7, the game. So uh, why is this a, a great win? And this is a great win, and I'm going to lay out exactly why it is a great win. Uh, it's because of everything that the Warriors didn't do well in this game or had get a little bit clunky or go against them leading up to this game. And it starts at 5.15 p.m. this afternoon when everybody was waiting for Steve Kerr to come into his pregame press conference for a 7 o'clock start inside Chase Center, he'll come and meet with the media at, at 5.15. And, and Steve Kerr, you know, it, it gets to be 5.16, 5.18, 5.19, about 5.19 uh, 
uh, the great Raymond Ritter of the Warriors PR department comes in and announces that Steve Kerr's not going to be coming in because Steve Kerr is, is going to be going in the health and safety protocols and had a positive test for COVID. And so right then, uh, in what had already been kind of an emotional day for the Warriors with Mike Brown being named the head coach of, of the Sacramento Kings, but scheduled to remain on the Warriors staff until the end of this run, he would be tapped on the shoulder and, and asked to lead this team as uh, the interim head coach for the night sliding over with, with Steve Kerr being out in the health and safety protocols. So so that was, I, I think, probably jolt number two on top of, of jolt number one. And look, I know the news had, had leaked out that the Warriors uh, were going to be losing Mike Brown to the Sacramento Kings yesterday, but it became official this morning. <laughs> Press release from the Kings went out and, and the contract was signed and all of that this morning. So you're playing game four of the, of the West Finals. You know John Morant. Would he be in? Would he not be in? The Grizzlies had the great record uh, without John Morant this season to the tune of, of 20-5. and five. And you just had the feeling that it was going to be a little bit of a weird night inside Chase Aaron. And this game was not going to go on script to the tune that the way that went on Saturday night where the Warriors just, just put a thumping on the Grizzlies and scored uh, 142 points and, and won the ball game by 30. So it just felt like things were going to be a little bit different. Warriors get down 24-20 uh, at the end of the first quarter. Similar start to the game as the game on Saturday where the Warriors got down uh, worse in that game, 21-8, because the Grizzlies were, were hot from three. But Stephen Adams was a factor uh, in this one. Jonathan Kaminga got the, the start again uh, for the Warriors. And there were there were lineup changes all over the place. Dylan Brooks was back in. Tyus Jones was playing for, for John Morant. Uh, there, there were just a, a lot of changes uh, and in and, and flux for the Grizzlies as, as you knew they were going to bring more of a, a defensive, physical type attitude or mentality to the to the table in this one without their superstar and John Morant. The Warriors just they couldn't hit a three. 0 for 15 to start the game from three point range. Uh, the Warriors would get down just careless turnovers, bad shots. Uh, just I, I mean, what could go wrong was going wrong for the Warriors. But if there's been a theme to this series for the Warriors as they now lead three to one, and it was prevalent in game one where the Warriors were able to eke out a one-point win it almost worked out in their favor in game two although they came up a little bit short but the theme of this series for me has been when the Grizzlies have been ahead they haven't been ahead by as many as they could be and 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 the Warriors have prevented things from getting out of hand to a point to where they they can't where the lead becomes insurmountable. They've been able to hang in and hang around, and you know with all of the offensive talent that the Warriors have, even if they are careless with the ball, even if they are missing open looks, even if the Grizzlies are doing a hell of a job trying to contest and drive the Warriors off the the three-point line, even if the Grizzlies are getting into the paint and handling the boards better than they had uh, at, at certain other junctures of this series, the Warriors are always a little bit closer than you felt like they should be. Uh, at least I felt like they should be uh, in the moments where the Grizzlies had been more in control, and that's given the Warriors an opportunity to come back and to win two of these four games now in the fourth quarters with better execution and veteran leadership and a lot of Steph Curry and others down the stretch to help to help guide them through. So that that's a big theme 
uh, for me as we react to this one. Hanging around and then being able to do just enough, whether it's a hustle play here, a big rebound there, a night where Clay Thompson you know, didn't have it overall, but he hits a, a big corner too late on a night where he's 6 for 20. And then a whole lot of Steph Curry. Steph Curry being clutch, Steph Curry being an MVP, Steph Curry being a three-time champion to help carry the Warriors down the stretch and, and able to get to the free throw line. How many times have we talked about the Warriors' inability at times to get to the free throw line and inability to make free throws? The final 11 all come from the free throw line for the Warriors, and they needed every bit of it because the Grizzlies were making life difficult for Golden State uh, as far as the way that they were trying to defend them. So 888-957-9570. We're going to hear from Mike Brown. Uh, head coach for tonight of the Warriors uh, with Steve Kerr out. We'll hear from the players down at the Bill King interview room here inside Chase Center as well. Uh, but I want to hear from you. The Xfinity mobile text line open. Let's get it going on the phone lines. We've got a lot of people that want to talk, and we're going to start it tonight with Robin in San Francisco. Robin, you're up first here on Warriors Wrap-Up with JD inside Chase Center on 95.7 The Game. Hi, J.D. Um, I'm just coming back from the game. My first time at Chase Center. Um, awesome. And, uh, let me tell you, yeah, J.D., but that was such an ugly win. And, you know, I have to go back home and watch that game. We won that in the last 45 seconds. It was confusing. It was just a confusing game. I'm like, how did we win this game? And you know what? Um, uh, I have to give Memphis, although I don't want to give them credit, they were defensively. They were on top of it. The ball movement, they were trying to move the ball, but wherever they moved the ball, it just it just wasn't working. But I think the Warriors, too, they weren't cutting. They weren't rotating. They were flat. But I have to give Memphis their defense was really, really good, and, and the Warriors' defense would break down, and then they couldn't buy a bucket. You know what I mean? So, so it was just confusing. So, But I do think that one of the reasons to, that, that, that we won at the end is because I do think that the pressure, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I the only think I could figure out why why we won in the last 45 seconds seconds was because of the pressure and that and that they and that they you know the, the youngsters haven't experienced that kind of pressure because there's no way we should have won that game. They outplayed the Warriors the whole time until those last 45 seconds. Peace out, JD. Yeah, I think a big part of it was, Robin, and thank you for the call, the Grizzlies never really built that, that lead up to a point where the Warriors couldn't come back. You know, you look at it mid-fourth quarter, and Curry hits a big three, makes it 82-79. Uh, you know, Poole has a drive. There were some, a couple of couple of turnovers. The Warriors were able to force some some bad shots, I think, down the stretch by the Grizzlies, some, some, some forces. You know, Dylan Brooks did hit a three, but he had a couple of bad misses. Uh, and, you know, Clay Thompson hit the hit the two from the corner. Uh, there were a couple of plays where where the Grizzlies had cleared uh, a defensive stop and then gave it right back, either threw it away or, or lost the ball out of bounds on a couple of plays. Like there were just a couple of key plays here and there where the Grizzlies could have had an extra possession after they got a stop and they gave it right back to the Warriors. And then Steph Curry had answers in, in the fourth quarter as well. But as far as the final minute, really, in the final two minutes, you know, wild Tyus Jones floater was missed. Wiggins missed a wide open three at the top of the key. But then where it really flipped was Desmond Bain fouling Jordan Poole out top. And the Grizzlies were in the penalty. The Warriors were in the bonus, and he went to the free throw line, and that's what started this string of what would prove to be uh, 11 
straight points from the free throw line for the Warriors down the stretch. Brooks had a wild miss three. Curry fouled on a drive. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a, a, a miss uh, inside, and then Bain was called for a loose ball foul in the penalty. That's free throw. So all of a sudden, the Warriors, without doing really anything other than forcing a, a miss that rolled off the iron and, and Desmond Bain coming over the back, had had a three-point lead. It was a couple of real innocuous plays down the stretch that allowed the Warriors to to put a hold uh, on this one. So 888-957-9570. Good call, Robin. We'll keep it rolling uh, with Al in Alameda next year on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, Al? Yes, hi. Good evening. Thank, thank you for taking my call. Hey, you know, almost uh, the first caller there. You know, th- th- this game was kind of boring in a way, and it was good probably for the Memphis fans that were missing a lot of shots there. And this kind of reminds me like the, the second game where we shot like seven for 37 for threes. I mean, for three and a half quarters, I think, I was just, I was just screaming here. I was, I was, I was mad at the Warriors. Okay, okay. This, this shouldn't have been happening. If this is gonna happen, if you cannot do that against the Sun if we're gonna play them. This can't be happening against the Sun or whoever we're gonna play in the Western Conference. But anyway, Kerry, he had a quiet 32 points there. Uh, the way he was shooting, and suddenly I saw the stats go 32 points. What? How that happened? And you know what kept us in the game, I think, there is because the Memphis was also missing some bunny shots and, and uh, some fouls in there. They were helping us out in a way. And, and also the crowd, the crowd of the chase, they got to get up there. They were so quiet. I mean, they were just waiting for threes and, and just get up and say, yeah. I mean, me and my friends here say, what's up with the crowd here? Get up and say defense or something. But, you know, the first half, I noticed, too, we were shooting 10% on threes tonight. I was upset, but now I'm all calmed down. I don't have to go to the hospital tonight. Thank you for taking my call. Later, bye. All right, you appreciate it. Look, look every game's not going to be Warriors make 17, 18, 23s, and they blow a team out, and Curry Shimian, and Draymond Snarlin, and it's a pool party. and it, it, it just, This is the freaking NBA playoffs for crying out loud. And yeah, the Warriors were 9 for 37 from 3. They were 9 for the, the Grizzlies were 9 for 35, which is why they ultimately couldn't separate and the Warriors were uh, they were allowed to hang around in a game where they played pretty poorly and it was an ugly game as far as the crowd goes. I thought the crowd was was fine in in the fourth quarter. It was an ugly game. <laughs> like it just it, it was you know felt more like a football game than than a basketball game. Uh, to be perfectly honest, but but this is the kind of win and, and the kind of win that the Warriors had in game one. This is the kind of win where we're going to look back at the end of this series, whether the Warriors win it in five or whether they win it in six. And I think this game, the fact that the Warriors didn't drop this game is going to be the difference as to whether or not they, they won or, or, or maybe even really put, put themselves in a dangerous position. I mean, that's why the, just being able to grind out a win, this is a quality playoff win. The Warriors didn't play well. They didn't shoot it well. The opponent was dictating the terms by which the game was played, but yet the Warriors hung in there. They eked out the win, and now they have a 3-1 series advantage, which sets everything up. They they get a freebie in Memphis to try and go close it out on Wednesday night, and if they can't get it done in Memphis, then they know that they've got game six in their back pocket back here at Chase Center on, on Friday night. So uh, you imagine if the Warriors don't win, 
this game tonight, the way that they played with, with John Moran out, and it's 2-2 going back to Memphis, and that place electric and, and thinking that maybe they got big-time action. So, look, the playoffs are not all you know candy and roses and, and lollipops and, and pool parties. They're, they're just not. <laughs> and if this team's going to win an NBA championship, there's going to be more games like tonight. There's probably going to be multiple more games like tonight because the template for how teams are going to try to beat the Warriors is exactly what the Grizzlies have tried to do to the Warriors in a couple of these games in this series with with varying degrees of success. Tony in Oakland is next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Tony. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I agree with you. I thought it was an ugly victory, but you know, obviously the Warriors can grind it out with the best of them. Um, my question for you is, uh, why do you think that uh, our number of turnovers seem to be higher against the Grizzlies, uh, at least in this series? Are they uh, just too long and too quick? Uh, are we just, just that much more careless this time? I am curious about your answer. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Uh, uh, here, here's the way I, I think there's a couple of things going on here. Uh, I, I think one is the length and the athleticism of the Grizzlies. I think the other part of it is the Grizzlies' defensive game plan. The, the Grizzlies are trying to run the Warriors off the three-point line, and the Warriors' counter to that is to drive. If you look at, at this series where the Warriors have had action and gotten their ball movement going, it, it's really been drive and kick. And I think they've come out a little a, a little frenetic early in games, a little maybe too amped up or a little too eager to, to, to make the perfect play and the perfect pass. And, but a lot of it is Grizzlies are driving out at the three-point line, the Warriors want to be able to get by the Grizzlies and either get to the basket or drive into the paint, get the defense to collapse, and then kick back out for other three-pointers. But I think the timing of everything has become more scattered, in part because the Warriors have been a little impatient and in part because the Grizzlies have forced them to be a little bit impatient or or a little bit frenetic. So I think it's a combination. I think there's been stretches, and the Warriors cleaned it up more in the second half of this one. They cleaned it up in the second half of the game on Saturday. They've cleaned it up in stretches of the other games in this series, but there's been really, I think, a stretch in every game where it's it's looked as bad uh, or close to as bad as it as it did tonight. So, uh, but a lot of different factors, starting with the length, and and I think the other thing is, you know, for for as great as John Morant is. The Grizzlies had a little bit of a different identity tonight without him. Like they were a much better defensive team with fewer breakdowns and 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 much more able to execute with, you know, for as bad as Dylan Brooks was offensively and I thought he played a low IQ game offensively, defensively he's a major upgrade as somebody that has barely played in this series. And and now you sub him in on that end of the floor for John Morant and the Grizzlies are able to to really, I think, put their imprint on what they're trying to do to the Warriors a little bit more. And the Warriors have had varying degrees of, of consistency with how they've been able to to counter it. So 888-957-9570. Dave and Alameda next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Dave. Hey, J.D., great show. Uh, you know, talking about tonight, uh, I think the biggest difference was the free throws. The Warriors getting 20 out of 22. Memphis missing their free throws. Got to give some credit to the coach for the – Grizzlies kind of putting that that that, that little uh, scheme together is, is pretty good. Steph was looking good late as usual, doing his thing. I think I don't know who's more mad right now, either Memphis fans or Laker fans, because the Warriors are looking like they're going to the finals. Uh, c- congratulations to Mike Brown and whatnot. And uh, it looks like 
Jason Kidd is hopefully coming here to the playoffs. And I think the reason why we're turning the ball over so much is because we don't have LaMelo Ball. I think had he been here, he's a number. <laughs> All right, Dave. Thanks, man. Hex in Berkeley next on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, Hex? <laughs> hey, J.D. Um, What's going on, man? A couple things. First, uh, first off, um, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, when you've got two big guys like Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson playing and Lyle Anderson also in there, um, you've got to be able to you – can, you can go to the basket and kick out, but you've also just got to hit some from the outside. So 0 for 15 – it's, it's a tough, tough deal. But the thing that I want to talk about, I think, or I want to hear your comments on, why was Damian Lee in the game so dang much? Why was there not some more, you know, energy? Uh, you know, I would have much rather had Moody in or, um, you know, almost anybody. But Damian Lee, I, I mean, it must have been early to mid-season that he played as much as he played tonight. It just didn't make any sense. And I, I tell you, I was – I was at the game, and it was like, what are we spotting them? You know, like ten points, so we can see if we can catch up at the end. I just, I didn't see. Damian Lee, I think, made one basket, and that was basically because Draymond was yelling at him going down the court and told him to pick it up so he could give him the, so he could give him a layup. Anyway, that's it yeah, for me. It, no, thanks for the call, Hex. And it, good points about about Adam. I mean, Stephen Adams was was tremendous tonight, and and he gets in that sweet spot where you know, 15 boards and, and he's able to work his way you know, in, in tight. He gets a couple putbacks. He gets a couple uh, you know, passes off of a, a, a drive when, when his man maybe comes to help and he gets a couple little flip shots in the, in the paint. It makes his imprint known on, on defense as well, some of the physicality. Uh, he, he can clog the paint a little bit. He was really good. He was plus 13 and a, and a major factor for the Grizzlies. So I think maybe they found something moving forward with, with him in the game uh, against the, the, the Warriors. As far as, as, far as uh, Damian Lee, look, the Warriors are down two rotation players right now. They don't have Gary Payton the second, and they don't have Andre Iguodala. And so they played nine tonight. And if it's next man up, and Jonathan Kaminga started, only played five minutes, and I think they they view Kaminga more, at least in this series, as a as a four, uh, you know, or as a, as than a wing. I think they view him as a, you know not a center, but they view, they view him as a as a four. And if Draymond's going to slide over and, and and play some center, and you know Kaminga didn't play great in the first five minutes of the game. Didn't play great in the first five minutes of the game the other night. So, but he still, they needed somebody to match up athletically at the beginning of the game. They got down and things weren't really clicking. So I think they decided they weren't going to play him the rest of the night. And Damian Lee's the next man. I don't think the Warriors want to throw Moses Moody into the middle of a hotly contested playoff series when he hadn't played in, in really a month plus, you know, down the stretch of the end of the regular season. I think the same thing is true with Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, they don't want to put that much on Kaminga. They gave him the start, but I think it was a situation where you give him the start, and as as things start to heat up, maybe you trust him a little less. And the one thing I'll say about Mike Brown, Mike Brown's a little less trusting than even Steve Kerr. And, you, know, you go back to when he was the interim coach before, Mike Brown brought, brought Steph and Draymond back with about 10 minutes to go tonight. 
uh, you know, and, and yeah, it's the playoffs, and, and you could say this or that, but, you know, Mike Brown went to Kaminga and then didn't go back to Kaminga. You know, so Mike Brown actually runs a little bit of a, believe it or not, even maybe a tighter rotation, especially when he's the guy that, that's you know going to be heading 90, 90 miles down the road and, and knows that this is the, the biggest game to this point of the Warriors' season. So uh, at this point in the middle of a playoff series, I just think you're not going to see the young guys. And Damian Lee, we talked about this at the beginning of the series. I've said it. I know Warrior fans don't like it. I understand the frustrations about maybe wanting to see some of the young guys. But Damian Lee is more trusted as a veteran at this point to be playing in the middle of a playoff series than Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody. That that's just that's just the explanation. You could not like it and I and I respect you for not liking it, but I'm giving you the best account of, of what's really going on there. 888-957-9570. Let's keep it moving with Owen in uh in the car here on 957 the game a Warriors wrap up. What's up Owen? Oh, hey, this is uh, Owen's dad. Um, we were at the game heading home. He has a question about uh, the spark tonight, but I want to know what that LaMelo ball guy was talking about. That guy was a bad caller. <laughs> um, Owen, go, we really appreciate your show. Excruciating win, but Owen, go ahead and ask your question about uh, the spark. Well, I mean, it's not really a question. It's just a comment. I think Otto Porter, with like seven minutes left, I think he really sparked the comeback. I think he had two threes. And also Andrew Wiggins' defense. I think he blocked. I think he blocked Jaron Jackson, and then they got a fast break or a foul from it. Yeah, can you talk about those sparks? Yep, good call. Thank you, Owen's dad, and thank you, Owen. Appreciate it. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Yeah, Wiggins one of two blocks. Uh, a, a, was a a big block. Uh, down the stretch in the game, and I'll get to to Otto Porter Jr. in, in a moment. But yeah, there was a. a Big block for Wiggins that wound up leading to uh, the, a bucket for the Warriors at, at a key moment. And then, yeah, Otto Porter Jr. was flat out the only guy that could could hit a three for a good point, you know, good stretch of the night. At one point, I think he had four threes in six makes, and the rest of the Warriors were three for 26 from three-point range. Now, that was that was before Curry, I think, hit a couple in the in the fourth quarter. But at one point, Otto Porter was four for six from three, finished, uh, finished four for six from three, and the rest of the Warriors were three for 26 from three. So not only was Otto Porter Jr. a, a spark tonight, but uh, he's been a spark throughout this whole series, and, and he flat-out saved the Warriors with some big-time three-point makes on a night where really nobody else could make a three except for a, a couple of clutch ones from from Stephen Curry. So that's a that's an excellent 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 uh phone call uh here on Warriors wrap up. Let's uh, keep it moving. Ricky next here on 957 the game. What's going on Ricky? Hey, hello. What's going on, man? What's up, man? You guys hear me? What's going on, bro? Uh yeah, first I just want to say I'm a big Klay Thompson fan. I'm a grown man in my 30s with a Klay Thompson jersey in Boston. So, you know, that's how big fan I am of Klay Thompson, man. Um, but listen, today he was just off, man, and he's been off. I'm not going to keep it real. I know he had a nice game, game three, but today Steph Curry saved him. You know, it was a sloppy game overall. The whole team, you know, I didn't see a lot of box out. The guards don't like the box out. There was a lot of uh, missed opportunities for defensive rebounds. I saw Memphis grabbing the board, a lot of putbacks. They just don't box out. That's just so sloppy of the of the Warriors guards. They just don't do that. I mean, it's been like the whole season I've seen that. I paid my $10 extra to watch Warrior games over here in Boston. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just hoping Clay shakes this game because, like, honestly, like, every four games, 
he's always going to have out of three out of four, he's always going to have bad games, and then he'll have that one game that he'll have that twenty point game, right? He'll 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 have that thirty or forty point game. I, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but like the proof is there. You know what I mean? Like you look at Clay Thompson's season stats. Every four games, every three games, he's always rough, and then one game, boom, he's good and he's on fire. But I'm hoping they move on. I'm hoping they just wrap up the series, and you better pray for Dallas, man, because if you guys play Phoenix, man, they got too much size, man. All right, guys, peace. Yeah, appreciate it, Ricky. Good, good stuff. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. You look, it, it has been rough at times for Clay, but here's the thing: you don't know when the game, when the next game is going to be, where where he can go off, and it has been every handful of games he does have one where where he can go off. And I think, you know, one thing I will say as far as this series moving forward, and this was, you know, the Warriors haven't played as well with in the second game without the extra rest. If you look at it, the first game, the Warriors had extra rest uh, because they had closed out the, the Nuggets and they, they had three days off before they played game one. And the Warriors were much more fluid and fresher in, in that game, game one. Then they play on the every other day for game two, and it looks a lot like tonight. You, you know, you hit the seven three pointers in the game, and the Grizzlies. It's still close, but they're able to win enough. You know, do enough down the stretch. Now tonight, the Warriors were able to steal it, even though uh, it was a very similar game to game two of this series. But I think you know the fatigue and the attrition, and I, I think that's another reason why this game is so huge for the Warriors to get because now you're going with travel one day tomorrow, fly to Memphis, play Wednesday. And so to have a little bit of that breathing room, and we've already seen it now twice in this series, the Warriors have looked much more comfortable when they've had the break. Before game three, another three-day break. So they've had a three-day break and then played game one and one. They've had a three-day break and then played game three and were dominant. They they had you know the games where they've had the one-day break, and now you're going to get a one-day break with travel. Uh, I, I think the, the attrition and, and the pound of flesh and the wear and tear that this series takes, it's imperative to, to not be playing a game five back in Memphis with the series tied at two less than 48 hours from now is is just it I, I cannot explain to you how massive that is for the Warriors not only the opportunity to end it and get as much as potentially six six days anywhere between four and six days off before the, the conference finals would start but even just not being in position where you are going to be down in the series like you now know that you've got Friday night in your back pocket right back here at Chase Center to maybe try and grind a, another one out and 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 win uh, and end this series. To, to know that going into Wednesday allows you to play a little more freely, I think, on Wednesday, uh, which, let's face it, that's going to be the toughest game of this series. Quick turnaround with travel and a series starting to take a toll now as we head into the, the, the later portion of it. So 888-957-9570. Prince in Oakland next year on 95.7 The Game. Let's uh, let's run through a bunch of these phone calls. Uh, what's going on, Prince? Hey, man. Thanks for, just, thanks for taking my call, man. What I did want to talk about, I really just want to bask in the sun right now. I'm a lifelong Warriors fan. I'm just appreciative. I don't really want to talk about X and O's. We haven't been here in two years, so I feel like I'm more just so happy. And I was in the building tonight, and it was so electric. Every boo I heard it, every defense, every Warriors. Like, I'm just happy just really just to be here and excited. Cause I feel like we were so spoiled the first time that it went so fast. It's our time to – you know, 
be grateful for that we got the Warriors in the Bay Area. And that's all I really wanted to say. My niece wanted to say something, too. Hi, my name is Ernaya. Um, I just wanted to say, like, that was just a good experience. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't really um, – I don't know. I don't really know what to say, but, like, them last couple minutes was, like, just, like, so intense. And it's just, like – Without Jai, oh, my God, that loss would have just been too much to take in. Like, we were just doing so good. And glad we took that dump, man. Warriors. Thanks for the call. That's a great perspective. That's a great perspective because I think, look, tonight it was, it's the playoffs. It's electric. Tonight felt tonight just felt like playoff basketball. It was it was an ugly game, but they're not all they're not all pretty. Like that's okay. Like I like you got to win ugly if, if you're going to win a chip. But I think the perspective of just being back in it and having Chase Center start to to formulate its its own playoff identity a little bit. And and you look, the Warriors still haven't lost a game in this building in the postseason. So. <laughs> You know, 3-0 in the first series against the Nuggets, and, and they had one kind of like this one tonight to close out the Nuggets in Game 5. So the Warriors have shown that it they can win and win when it ain't pretty, uh, even uh, you know in this building, and they've done it a couple of times now in, in both of these series. Let's go to Simon next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Simon. What? Hey. Hey, Simon. Um, you're, on the, you're on the air, yeah, buddy. Yeah, it was ugly. But at the same time, I think with, like, five minutes left in the game, I think Otto Porter Jr. hit a three. They got a big stop, and the building just got loud. Like, it sounded like Oracle for the rest of the game. Like, I think the final four minutes, everybody in the section near me was on their feet the whole time. I mean, just at the end of the game, it got loud, like, just as loud as Oracle. Yes, it did. It did. I agree with you, Simon. No, no question. And thanks for the call. We appreciate you, you checking in. And I'm glad you enjoyed the game on a on a Monday night. And you know, it's all right to be out a little late, and you got school tomorrow, and and that's okay, right? So good, good, good on you for 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 coming out and enjoying it. And yeah, it's the kind of thing that it's the kind of thing that makes you want to go to another playoff game, and it's the kind of thing that gets you excited to watch on Wednesday. And 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 you can't wait for the next round. So yeah, I I, I like that. I enjoy that perspective. We get caught up in the X's and O's, and there were a lot of X's and O's things to talk about, but there were a lot of moments tonight where it was like, man, this is awesome. This is playoff basketball. It, it, not always the prettiest thing, but it, it was just the, the, the intensity. You could, you could feel it with the Grizzlies inching closer to maybe putting the Warriors in a really vulnerable position, uh, but the Warriors fighting them off and, and not allowing themselves to, to get put into that position. So Frank and Sam Rafael next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Frank. Yeah, hey, how you doing tonight? Good, man. Yeah, man, that was unbelievable. They could have lost that game, and you're really right. You're a good host. They could have easily lost that game and went back there 2-2, and then we would have lost this series very easily. I was very surprised they came back and won the game because they played horrible the entire night. They did. Turnovers, missed shots, defensive breakdowns too frenetic they got beat uh more than they had been of late in in the paint 
Uh, you look at tonight, the, the Grizzlies got their average in the paint at 56 to, to the Warriors 42. Uh, and the Warriors still were able to win the game on a night where, where typically you need the Warriors to out, out hit an opponent from three. They didn't out hit them from three. So the Warriors now in this series have won two games. They've won two games of their three total in this series uh, where they have been out hit from from three point range they because the the Grizzlies out hit them 16 to 14 in, in game one of this series but the Warriors still were able to to win the game so and look the the paint points were there the Warriors still held their own in the paint but but not to the extent uh because of some of the turnovers and I think Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. and 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 the Grizzlies clogging it up the Grizzlies had 11 block shots uh, in, in the game tonight. And Jaron Jackson Jr. had five of them. So they clogged the paint a little bit better and they got uh, you know, more paint points, I think in part because Steven Adams was in the game. So they hit their average. Uh, and I think this is one where the Grizzlies are probably kicking themselves because they, they brought a stellar defensive effort, better defensive effort than they typically can bring with John Morant on the floor. They got Adams back in the fold. They held the Warriors under 10 three-pointers. Uh, I mean, at one point it was 0 for 15 for crying out loud. They get their mark in the paint, and then they just can't do enough down the stretch. I think the free throw shooting, uh, not only the Warriors getting to the line uh, as they did in the fourth quarter, uh, but also uh, the 15 of 17, but they out they, they outscored the Grizzlies by 11 at the free throw line, 20 to 9, and the Grizzlies had some, some big misses, uh, 9 of 15, something they will uh, surely lament. Ryan in San Francisco here at 888-957-9570. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, how's it going tonight? I just, I'm, I love the gritty win tonight. It's glad this team shows their championship um, capability here on off nights. I think these kind of wins show what this team is capable of. And honestly, I I would really want the Suns to pull this off because I think the Suns are trying to do what the Warriors have done and I think every team is coming after the Warriors uh, because they know how much of a threat they are. So seeing these kind of wins and the opponents that they're going up against, it just reminds you of, of their championship runs. And they're not far removed from these championship runs. So, you know, nothing's really changed with the Warriors' DNA here. Um, you know, and I love seeing the Chase Center in, in full effect, but, man, we need to bring back the yellow shirts. There's nothing like a game in the Bay Area with everyone with their yellow shirts on and just losing their mind. The black shirts are nice, but let's let's bring it back to the Oracle days and let's get some yellow shirts in here. Um, I'll take your I'll take your comments off the air here. The, the yellow shirts hit different. I know the the Grizzlies have had the yellow towels in the two games, and I, and I'm I'm headed back to Memphis in the morning for for Game Five on on Wednesday. Uh, bright and early and and I was at Game One and Game Two covering it and doing the post game from from FedEx Forum and and. Look, the, the the gold hits different. It just does. The gold shirts hit different than the, the black. Just doesn't have the same effect uh, in in the crowd uh, as as a a, a white uh, or or a gold. You know, when you see when you see uh, arenas that that'll have you know different color. The black just tends to blend. Really, any other color hits hits better, but the gold. Uh, the gold from from the days at at Oracle definitely hit different in a positive way, and I think you can you can see it also in this series with the towels 
that uh, the Grizzlies have used in their games at, at FedEx Forum. So, Frankie, before we get to uh, a quick break here on Warriors wrap-up, 888-957-9570, a good 40, 45 minutes of fury here right off the top with a lot of phone calls. Frankie uh, will wrap up this segment on 95.7 The Game with J.D. What's going on, Frankie? Hi, yeah, I just wanted to talk about Steph Curry's free throws at the end. Time and time again, he's just too clutch. He really wrapped it up uh, at the end of the game there, but it was it was a bit of an ugly win. And I also just wanted to say I, I don't think right now the Warriors have an answer to Al Horford if they meet in the future. He's just such a good center. He was so dominant tonight. And I, I really think that if they meet, there's no answer for Al. He's, he's too good. And also, Ryan, the black shirt's way better than the gold shirt. I'm not sure what you're going on in there, but, buddy, but black shirts are way better than the gold. Thanks for the call. They've, I don't like. They're nice shirts. They just they don't hit the same in the building, and, and I don't think they hit the same on TV. If you're if you're watching the game on on TV, but they're I mean they're nice shirts. <laughs> I mean it's you know look it's I I you know I they're 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 nice looking shirts. But again, it, it's how does it look? What's the effect of the shirt? Uh, you know when when you're watching the game, and I do think that the other colors do definitely uh, hit a little differently. All right, we'll pause here. Uh, we'll come back. We'll hear a little bit of post game sound as well. We got your shot of the game coming up. We could sneak in some phone calls. We got some text messages to get to on the Xfinity Mobile text line. Uh, John Dickinson inside Chase Center, where the Warriors were victorious in Game Four of the Western Semifinals. They beat the Grizzlies 101-98. They grind it out to take a three-one series advantage back to Memphis. Uh, final segment straight ahead here on 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The Draymond, left wing. Comes cross court to Curry. Fires for three. Got it! Stephen Curry, who earlier in this game became the first player in NBA history to hit 500 career threes in the postseason. Hits an important one there. It's a one-possession game. 
Now back to Warriors Wrap Up on 95-7 The Game. Yeah, big three-pointer there uh, as the Warriors are just kind of hanging around all night. And uh, Steph Curry with a couple of big ones down the stretch. And this one uh, in the fourth quarter as Steph finishes with 32 points. And the Warriors win this one uh, by a final of 101-98. to uh, John Dickinson back inside Chase Center. Warriors wrap up here at 95-7. The game is the Dubs. The 3-1 series advantage as they go back to Memphis tomorrow and they get it done without their head coach, Steve Kerr, testing positive for COVID uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. So within a couple of hours of, of game time and Mike Brown, who just agreed to be the next head coach of the Sacramento Kings uh, officially earlier today. The press release came out this morning on that one with Mike Brown getting the nod and uh, he wound up being uh, the head coach for the Warriors in this one. And it sounds like due to the health and safety protocols and the, and the positive test, I mean, game two or, or game five is, is less than two days away uh, now on, on Wednesday night in, in Memphis. That's a 630 Pacific start. So the, the like, there's a pretty good likelihood that Mike Brown's going to be coaching the Warriors on Wednesday in, in Memphis uh, with, with Steve Kerr needing a, a few days to, to clear the health and safety protocols. So, uh, we'll keep you updated on, on everything going on there. But, yeah, just kind of a weird day with Brown agreeing to to be the coach of the Kings and then having to coach the, the Warriors, even though he was going to stay on uh, until the end of, of the postseason run. Uh, obviously, uh, some some sad news uh, surrounding Draymond Green and, and the Michigan State program as his, his former uh, friend and, and teammate Adrian Payne uh, killed uh, to, today. So Draymond uh, obviously feeling feeling uh, heavy and, and just awful and, and, you know, thoughts and prayers and everybody go out to, to Adrian Payne's family there. So just, just a heavy kind of a different day leading up to this thing for, for the Warriors. And then they go out and they, they play pretty terribly uh, in, in the early going of the game and have to fight and scratch and claw, uh, but they're able to do it down the stretch and win it uh, to take the 3-1 lead. Let's uh, keep get back to the phone. Sam in Oakland next year on 95-7 the game. Uh, what's going on, Sam? Yeah, I just I just want to you know three shout outs really quick. Um, you know, first one, Otto Porter Jr. just like keeping us in the game, just that shooter shoot mentality, and and really like when it was over fifteen, just having the confidence to take those threes and hit them. Andrew Wiggins for just being a monster on the boards all night long, really all playoffs long and all series. And then the third one is just to uh, to Dub Nation. For my, this is my first playoff game I've been to since two thousand fifteen, and so much been made about you know, Chase Center and all the good seats being corporate sponsorship, whatever. But no, Dub Nation is definitely still very much alive and, and in that building, and, and it was just good to see it. So, yeah, just let's, let's go Dubs. Yeah, and it really was alive in the fourth quarter. And, and look, they booed the hell out of Dylan Brooks every time he touched the ball all night long. It was expected. It was awesome. They let him feel it. And, and you know, Dylan Brooks was all right defensively. Dylan Brooks stunk offensively. Two for nine, four turnovers, uh, and – you know, it's just five of 19 uh, overall, the two of nine from from three point range. And so they were all over Dylan Brooks. And, and look, I, I think a majority of Warrior fans love a love a good scrap. Uh, I really do. And and, I, you know, when the game has turned ugly, as tonight did, and I think game five against Denver did a little bit. I thought the, the Warriors fan base, you know, I thought the fans, they, they rose to the challenge. I, I thought I thought they enjoyed 
the, the, the style of play, even though maybe they're used to at times uh, a, a prettier style with the Warriors making a bunch of threes and everybody shimmying and, and laughing and almost at times clowning uh, the opponent. But no, I, I think a lot of Warrior fans appreciate uh, the, the edge and, and, and the grind of, of playoff basketball. So yeah, and a, a major hat tip to Wiggins. Hadn't mentioned him much tonight. But uh, that that's a mistake because he he was terrific with the 17 points and the 10 boards and the excellent defense and he was he was the the best plus on the board for the Warriors in terms of plus minus in this one plus 12 and six of eight from two you know, the Warriors when the three ball wasn't falling and it wasn't falling for him but his ability to to get into the paint and get some easy buckets, get some twos, get some offensive rebound putbacks, five offensive rebounds for Wiggins and a couple of putbacks tonight, all key uh, as to how the Grizzlies were unable to to get enough separation to where the Warriors still had a chance to make their run late. Nate in Oakland. From Sam, we go to Nate. You're on 95.7 The Game. How you doing? Um, Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to tell you guys that I appreciate you guys putting on genuine Warriors fans. You know, all of us are not really savvy with the, you know, the um, stats and all of that, but just having people happy to see the Warriors win, you know, like you said, they're not always going to be pretty hitting, you know, all the three-pointers that they go up. We expect it, but I think that the Grizzlies really went out of their way to develop a defense against the three-pointer because they ran us off the line regularly, but we found a way to get around it. And everyone would say it's ugly, but I think it was beautiful. And thank you, guys. You have a wonderful show. All right, you appreciate it, Nate. Thank you for checking in. 888-957-9570. We'll hear from Mike Brown here coming up uh, momentarily uh, as he addressed the media. Uh, popped into popped into service. I know that the, the joke uh, around the building post game was uh, Mike Brown. He became the first Sacramento Kings head coach to win a playoff game in 16 years because the Kings obviously haven't been in the playoffs in in, in 16 years. He did it for the Warriors tonight. A uh, couple of couple of text messages uh, here to get to, and we appreciate it. The Xfinity Mobile text line. Uh, this game nine two five riding a lot like the Warriors season in a nutshell. Very frustrating, but got it done. Seven oh seven. Be cool to hear you talk about the officiating. I thought it was great. They really allowed them to play. Uh, yeah, I, I thought for the most part the officiating was was solid tonight. Um, and look, the Warriors. Let's be honest. They they got a pretty favorable whistle uh, in, in this one down the stretch. I thought you know the, the the call that put the Grizzlies in the penalty and the Warriors uh, in the bonus. Uh, where Jordan Poole was able to go to the free throw line, I, the, that that really you know that started the run on free throws, and I thought I thought that call was maybe a little I don't know a little grab foul when you know a team's going to be in the in the bonus, but but uh, look the Warriors were the aggressors at times tonight in terms of attacking, and that meant that the Grizzlies were going to put them on the line late, and it, and it wound up working to the Warriors' advantage. Four one five. How do you think of what do you think of Kaminga's development? I think Kaminga's had a great year in terms of, of development. And, look, he's helped this team in the playoffs. He got the start these last couple of games. But there are going to be times where, it, it, at 19 years old, 
the moment might be a little bit too much for him in, in the playoffs, and you, and you want to take take some of the heat off of his plate. And I think giving him the first five minutes tonight and with the way the game was going, that, that can be enough for tonight, and, and that's okay. doesn't mean he won't play later uh, in, in this series or, or later in, in a future series, and it also doesn't doesn't mess with his development at all. I think he's, I, I think he's in a great spot. I think he's come a long way from the beginning of the year, and he was he was already uh, in position to he was already in position to be able to to be uh, I, I think ahead of schedule for for where it looked like he had the potential to be going back to January. So a couple of text messages there on the uh, Xfinity mobile text line. Uh, let's go ahead and hear from Mike Brown uh, a little bit post-game, uh, pressed into duty on the day he officially became the head coach, at least the next one, of the Sacramento Kings, but staying with the Warriors for the remainder of the postseason run. Uh, he'll explain how everything went down as far as Steve Kerr and the positive uh, COVID test uh, that came down in the 5 o'clock hour and just what uh, a whirlwind uh, day this was leading up to actually having to play game four. So here is the head coach of the Warriors for tonight, Mike Brown. When did you hear that you were going to be coaching tonight and what was it? I mean, you've done it before, but was it different this time on the short notice? You know, I was putting the minute sheet together, about to walk out for the national anthem, and Steve called me from his house and said, Mike, you got to get out there for the anthem and coach. So right before tip off. No. No. Uh, <laughs> no, he about. Steve called me on his way in about uh, 4.45 and said he just wasn't feeling well. And he said there's a chance that he may not be able to coach tonight. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done this drill before. And uh, so I said, okay. He came in, he tested. I get a call back at 5.15 saying that he's out. That's the time that I found out. Like he said, there's probably like nine questions, but I kind of want to ask about Wiggins defensively late. It seemed like he made a bunch of stops individually. Um, what did you just think of him late? No, Wiggs was fantastic. This game reminded me of uh, game two in Memphis. You know, just kind of an ugly, grinded out game. We weren't really making shots. I thought we moved the ball well enough and we spaced the floor well enough to where we had some great looks. They just didn't go in. One thing that I felt we just needed to do was just stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. And if we did, with the way that we were defending and rebounding, Wiggs had 10, Draymond had 11. Uh, one of our biggest keys uh, in this series was we don't want to give these guys extra possessions. And so with Wiggs stepping up and doing that, it helped us. It gave us a huge advantage, and our guys stayed with it. And then we made enough shots and free throws down the stretch. Mike, how would you describe the uh, first half and the final minute? So when we went in the back, uh, Chris DeMarco, he, he said, uh, Chris DeMarco, he just, I don't know where, he says, punch 42, dive 52. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, oh, we just kept handing the ball off to the fullback, left and right. And then at the end of the game, we kicked the field goal to win it. Hell of a football game, you know? And, and that's that's what it was. But that, that's playoff basketball. Sometimes uh, it's grimy. Sometimes it's gritty. And for me, I know that, again, it shows it because they, they turned it into that in game two in Memphis, and we lost. And so they turned it into it again tonight especially with jaw out and our guys just found a way so I, i'm so proud of them you know with, with, with our leader and, and, and steve uh, being out with covid right before the game and draymond emotionally he's our emotional heart and soul 
And for him to get hit with something that impactful, not only was it tough for him, but we felt it. We felt it as a group. And so uh, it, it was a tough night for us. But again, hey, at this point in the year, you win ball games. It doesn't matter how you get there, but you win ball games. And we found a way to win tonight. That's why I'm excited. Could you talk about your emotions today or the last 24 hours? Congratulations, by the way, on on the new job and, and just what it was like to to have that and have a lot on your mind and then all of a sudden get this news and go through this. It was an interesting day for me. Obviously, everybody knows what's going on. And so going through uh, that process uh, while still trying to get ready for the game and then finding out uh, not not only that, I love Draymond, you know, and, and when he hurts, we all hurt. And so that was tough on me personally. And then to find out uh, uh, Steve was out too and, it was an up and down or emotional day for me too, but all of our guys, Kenny Atkinson, Bruce Frazier, Chris DeMarco, Jama, Decky, all of our coaches were fantastic. And I, and I said this before when I took over for Steve, uh, Andre Iguodala doesn't give, get enough credit. I mean, Andre, you know, I know he's not playing, but just his voice, his presence, he's always saying the right thing. It uplifts all of us. And for me, it uplifted me. I told him, uh, I told Draymond, I said, I need you guys tonight. <laughs> I need you guys now. I'm going to lean on you guys. And those guys stayed steady the whole game. Andre on the bench, obviously, and Draymond on the floor. And, and we found a way. You can do that when you have Steph Curry and, and Clay and JP out on the floor. Mike, you guys did take better care of the ball after in the second half. Yeah. Was that how key was that? And also, did you think it was just a matter of time for some of those shots to fall? Even, even though Clay's weren't falling as much, everybody else kind of picked it up. Clay hit a big shot for us in, in that deep corner. It was huge. And that kind of got us going a little bit. So I, I felt eventually we, we're too good of a shooting team. You know, the times that we took care of the ball, we got some fantastic looks. And I take those looks with all of our guys at, at any time. And eventually I thought they'd go down. I just wished that they would have started going down sooner, you know. Two questions for you. One, kind of following up on the offense. Last After last game, you guys were really emphasizing, like, shot selection. And that's what helped lead you to that such a great shooting night uh, in game in game three. Did you like the shots that you were getting and it was just a matter of them not going in? Early on, I thought we were in, in, we were playing a little frantically, you know, and, and again, I, I felt that we've done that before in these playoffs. We, we've been pretty frantic to start the ball games and, and then we settled down. Uh, you know, the one thing that I worried about was when we forced the issue turnover-wise, driving into their length and their athleticism. That was something that we didn't do a lot of in our last game. And so, you know, when you drive that ball into the teeth of their defense, they collapse so well, they got active hands, they get out to our shooters and they make it tough and turn us over. Once I felt we figured that part out, then we get good, good looks. And, and, and we did, I thought past that first quarter into the second quarter and even the third and the fourth quarter, we got some pretty good looks because our guys just hit singles. You kind of alluded to my second question. As you said, you guys have gotten off to some rockier starts yeah. uh, this series and last series. What needs to happen to not fall behind so early on? The biggest thing is just just taking care of the ball. Defensively, it seems like our guys have been pretty locked in. Getting after the, the their uh, missed shots or getting after the boards uh, has been pretty good. We've just you know, had a, a few unforced turnovers that gave them confidence and kind of uh, took away from our spirit a little bit. And then we, we rushed some shots. And so if we can figure that out for 48 minutes and instead of a shorter time, then I think we'll be fine.
Otto Porter Jr. has kind of, he's kind of been like an unsung hero coming off the bench. Just whatever you thought about him, you know, over the last two games, he was the first one to hit a three after the team missed the first 15, and that kind of seemed to move things along. Otto, you know, his feel for the game, his intelligence is at a really high level. And we always feel like we can plug him in as a starter. We can plug him in coming off the bench, and he's going to give us size. Uh, he's going to help us space the floor because of his ability to shoot. He's going to take care of the ball. Uh, but the biggest thing, he, you know, he can guard multiple positions. And uh, if he's guarding a bigger guy, he's great putting a body on a body and keeping his man off the glass so somebody else can get it. So the versatility that he brings to the table for us is much needed, especially at his size, because we, we play small a lot. I, I guess, Steph, on TNT after the game, I joked that some version of they were shooting like the Kings or turning into the Kings. Uh, how much teasing did you get? And and you probably don't want to answer this question because you want to talk about this team, but you're up there. Uh, why was the Kings the right opportunity, the right moment for you? And are you going to miss some of this too? To be fair to, to their organization and our organization right now, I, I want to focus on this and you know, when, it, when, when that press conference comes, I'll answer any question that you want me to answer. But uh, we got a lot of jokesters on the team, and and, and I'm okay with it. And Mike, uh, I don't know if this is too early to ask, but is it definitive that you'll be wearing the head coaching hat for game five? Or in theory, does Steve have enough time to clear protocols to join you guys in Memphis? Steve, if you're watching, get healthy quick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, second of all, you mentioned that uh, some of the vets really helped out tonight, such as Andre and Draymond. I'm curious, uh, what specifically did they say that really resonated? It may not be one point or two points that they said that turned the tide. It's just their calmness, knowing that it's a long basketball game. There's no need to panic. Let's do what we do. Move the ball a little bit better. Come to a jump stop here box out there, push the ball with pace and get to the corners. You know, just little reminders like that, things that we've been talking about the whole series against this team, to have veterans like Andre and Draymond that have been through, uh, you know, the highs and lows of many playoff series. When they're reassuring the guys of that, uh, it gives everybody else confidence, you know, because we're playing guys right now that uh, haven't been as far. So. Uh, again, their presence, their voice, their calmness, their reassurance, all that stuff equals a lot for our group, especially with Steve being out. And you talked about how frenetic and hectic it was when you sort of found out Steve would be out. Uh, what was that like for you, just taking over the team on this game, on this stage with so much on the line at this point? Uh, just what were the emotions around just sort of the entire thing? Obviously, there's butterflies, you know, because, again, you're going into the game with a certain mindset, and it's a big game. Every game that we play at this point in the year, it's it's huge. And so to have that kind of thrown at you, you got to switch gears because I know what my responsibilities are going in as, as uh, Mike Brown, the assistant coach, and it changes. Now you have to manage everything and not necessarily manage you know, the, the, the specific things that you were uh, asked to do before before game time. So uh, change hats quickly. And, and like I said, give Draymond, give Andre uh, most of the credit. But uh, our staff is phenomenal. Kenny Atkinson, you know, Bruce Frazier, uh, CD, Becky, they, everybody was great. Jamma, they, they all were terrific the whole game. Did you have any conversation with Steph like, 
we kind of we kind of need you to get going like in between the third and fourth quarter. And what do you think he figured out to to be able to come through in the fourth? Great part about Steph, he's got to be easiest superstar to be around. I, I don't, you know, I worry about him because, I you know, I hate to say it, I don't know if he has a great memory, and which is fantastic. You need that in his position because he missed shots that he can make in his sleep. And so because he doesn't think about it or think about the past or dwell on it too hard, he always thinks that the next thing is going to happen in a positive manner for him, whether it's a made shot or the right pass for an assist or him cutting back door at the right time to score a bucket. He's always that confident because he thinks next play all the time. And so I, I didn't say anything to him uh, because just being around him, I know that he's always thinking about how can he help the team next? How can he help the team next? And that's what it was tonight. You know, he got free uh, on, on a pin down and knocked down a big three for us late. And then obviously right place, right time in terms of the box out gets fouled and goes to the free throw line and knocks, you know, six, eight, whatever it is, free throws down in a row. So he'll always be there, in my opinion. Mike, um, yesterday Steve had said this is like a classic young versus old you know, playoff series between Memphis sort of being youthful and inexperienced and you guys being experienced. With that said, was this one of those last five minutes of the game you were just saying stay close and our experience will take over and their inexperience will show because that's kind of what it looked like? Yeah, you know, any, again, any anytime you have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole on the floor, and then, uh, you know, a guy that, that if he wasn't hurt, he would have been defensive player of the year and Draymond Green on the floor too you know good things can happen. So if it's a one or two possession game down the stretch, whether you're down or you're up, you feel pretty confident. And a lot of it, yes, has to do with the, the the playoff experience that these guys have, but their talent and their IQ is, in my opinion, a second to none. And the Warriors experience did ring true and play out for them down the stretch in this one. Steph Curry, his ability to control the game also uh, played out for the Warriors down the stretch and, and getting to the free throw line as well. Key, as the Warriors uh, didn't need a hoop in the final couple of minutes because they got all their points from the free throw line, uh, 11 of them to be exact, and that was enough with a lot of defensive stops and, and Andrew Wiggins all over the place uh, getting big defensive stops, timely plays, rebounds, uh, and I thought Mike Brown was spot on in terms of this game, game four, reminding him of game two, where the Grizzlies really tried to turn it into a slugfest. Uh, the Warriors couldn't quite finish that one off, although they had opportunities to steal it, uh, but they were able to, to get it done tonight. One other quick note, we had a, a texter that brought this up as well, uh, and we were touching on the free throw, not only disparity in, in favor of the Warriors, it being a difference maker for them to out make the Grizzlies 20 to 9, 11 points uh, in the Golden State Warriors' favor. But also, uh, you look at, at the 9 of 15 and, and Kyle Anderson tonight. Kyle Anderson was pretty good overall, 7 of 8 shooting the ball, but 2 of 7 at the line. His misses from the free throw line, critical uh, in this one. And I think that's that's something that the, that the Grizzlies are really going to be, and Kyle Anderson's really going to have to wear here in the next 48 hours. Uh, the other thing I, I wanted to get into as well with uh, the expectation uh, at least the potential for Mike Brown to be coaching the team in Memphis in Game Five with with COVID. Uh, another Xfinity Mobile texter had had brought up the point uh, with regard to, hey, you know, what's going on with the potential for others maybe to to test positive either on the coaching staff or or, or players. 
so that is something to monitor, and that's another reason why winning the game tonight is so big because you don't know who maybe starts to have some symptoms over the next couple of days and, and, and maybe has to get tested and, and comes up with a positive and, and then potentially would have to, would have to sit out. So uh, something to keep tabs on for sure. Uh, we hope Steve Kerr obviously is, is feeling a lot better, uh, but it sounds like Mike Brown's going to be the guy uh, for the Warriors in Memphis on Wednesday night. All right, uh, let's get to our shot of the game presented by the County of Santa Clara. Here comes Curry with 50 seconds left. Curry crosses half court, off the screen, down the lane, gets fouled. He's going to go on the line. He's got a chance to give the Warriors the lead. Curry eyes the goal, shoots, and the Warriors have their first lead of the game. 45.7 to go. Warriors 94, Grizzlies 93. That's got to be the shot of the game. Got to be a free throw in a game like tonight where the Warriors hit 20 of 22 from the free throw line and, yeah, didn't lead at all until the final 45.7. Stephen Curry gave him the lead, and that was the lead they would not relinquish in the closing minute uh, as the Warriors do win this one 101 to 98. Uh, so, yeah, that's Stephen Curry drive and foul and free throw. Uh, is your shot of the game presented by the County of Santa Clara book a COVID-19 booster shot now at sccfreevax.org or call 211. Before we call it a night, uh, let's hear a couple of minutes of Steph Curry's post-game press conference as he met with the media downstairs here uh, inside Chase Center in the Bill King interview room, and he addressed uh, the win and everything going on uh, surrounding the Warriors uh, on this night. Steve was tested positive that Mike was going to be uh, coaching this game. It's been a wild, wild day all the way around. You know, we had some, you just had to kind of figure it out on the fly and understand uh, we've been through this before. Guys that were here in 16, 17, you know, with coaching his, his back problems back in the day where he, he was he was out of the lineup but still had an influence and Mike B stepped up. So we didn't really have a lot of time to react. So just come with the same approach. I understand we, we we know what the game plan is. And then, uh, you know, go out and try to execute. We, we obviously didn't for three quarters. Defensively, we were solid. Just offensively, we just couldn't get anything going. And uh, gutted it out. Is there anything unique about the purple shoes? And is there something you figured out in the fourth quarter? Nothing figured out. It's just don't let... In the first three quarters influenced the fact that we still had a chance to win the game. Shoot the shots you think you can make, play aggressive, take care of the ball. We did all of those things. We were able to get enough stops. That guy in the corner was unbelievable down the stretch, uh, taking on that challenge. So just understand we've been here before. You know, whether we won or lost, the intentions of how we could give ourselves a chance in the fourth quarter was all, you know, all we focused on and then got it done. You were yelling something at Draymond when he got that tip blocked on, on Jaron to close it. What were you saying, no? No, I don't know what the transcript was. It's something to the effect of that's what you do. And every opportunity we have to appreciate his greatness on that end of the floor, especially at this stage, that's what it's all about. You know, offensive avalanches are loud and then the crowd gets into it. But when the defensive stop seals games and you get to enjoy those moments, that's if it hits it hits a little different especially when you see that fire come out of him so i don't know what i actually said verbatim but it was something to that effect there's a lot of emotions going on before the game you know then you get the, the coaching change but yet you guys even though the offense wasn't where you wanted to be you, you did enough to stay in the game was there a sense that your experience and that you guys would find a way to figure out a way to, to pull this thing out all along yeah just staying with it like i said defensively we kept him at bay, 
for the most part throughout the game. And still were our worst enemy a little bit with rushing in the first six minutes on offense. There are times our shot selection and missing shots affected our transition defense. But for the most part, like, you know, when you come into a fourth quarter with no flow offensively and you're still within, you know, three or four possessions, there's some motivation behind that. And then, like you said, we've been here before. We know how to pull off games like this, whether it happened or not. It's about just how you approach it, and we, we made that happen. Steph, how, how much do you appreciate what Mike Brown has brought, you know, during these these times to, to step in and, and do this on the on the postseason stage? And, and also, he said there's been some good-natured razzing of him the last, well, since yesterday, uh, some good jokes going down on him taking over the Kings. I mean, his track record, obviously, as a head coach, he's coached in finals before, coached some high-powered teams, some big market teams. Like, he's been through it all. Been with us for these last six years, and he's been interim coach for a little bit and made his presence felt, especially defensively, you know, leading us this year. So he has a good presence about him, a great way about him. I know Coach talked about it, I think, this morning about what he's meant to our team and to that coaching staff and just maybe the way that they approach it all year in terms of everybody having a voice and us being able to hear that throughout the year. It makes situations like tonight a little bit easier for transition. He had a lot of good words tonight. I don't know it's in history if you've been named the head coach of two teams in 24 hours. So he's uh, he's continuing to uh, set set some trends. Steph, that one-liner you said on TNT after the game, uh, you guys uh, some something the fact that you guys felt like you were maybe all turned into the Sacramento Kings or something. Uh, some I misheard that. I was saying because Mike was the coach, it felt like we all got traded because there was a lot of talk about him being the head coach and obviously all of a sudden now he is the head coach of our team tonight so it wasn't about how we were playing it was about just the vibe of Mike Brown as the head coach of the Kings and and now all of a sudden now he's the head coach of two teams so gotta get that straight it's a nice walk back it's a nice save Steph that's a nice save you know how sensitive the folks can be 90 miles uh to the east of here from time to time, but no, all in good fun. Uh, and yeah, that was pretty funny in the, in the post game interview, uh, with the way that the Warriors had been playing and, and good knowledge there. Yeah. Mike Brown <laughs> getting named the head coach of two teams in, uh, the same day, basically nine o'clock on one day and, uh, five o'clock later that afternoon, uh, Mike Brown at the helm, uh, for the Warriors in this one and the Warriors able to uh, grind out a win in game four to take the three, one series advantage. So a couple of things here, uh, just to, to close it out, uh, game five going to be on Wednesday night in Memphis. Uh, that's a six thirty tip here on 95, seven, the game, eight thirty central time as uh, Warriors live will come your way at five o'clock with Damon and Ratto. And then I'll be uh, back at FedEx forum uh, for Warriors wrap-up uh, following that one as the Warriors try and, and close out uh, the series. And the NBA also did announce tonight uh, that if the Warriors series and the Phoenix-Dallas series both end in six or fewer, uh, that the Western Conference Finals would begin on Monday, a week from tonight, uh, and then run uh, like this series uh, where the first two games would be separated by a day, then there'd be a three-day break, and then every other day to close it out. Uh, if uh, one of these two series or, or both go seven games, uh, then the conference finals in the West would start a week from Wednesday and run every other day until the Memorial Day Monday on May the 30th. So uh, Warriors could be playing on Wednesday, and if they get a win, uh, that would guarantee them at least 
four days off with uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The earliest that their next game could be uh, would be on Monday the 16th. But who knows? The way that Phoenix-Dallas series is going, they may be headed for uh, a seventh game, which would push things uh, to Wednesday. And maybe the Warriors wind up getting uh, uh, close to a week break in between if they can close it out. But that's all contingent on the Warriors being able to close it out. Uh, won't be easy. I think the Grizzlies did you know, head home thinking that they – uh, let one slip away, and the Warriors were able to to, to grab one. Uh, but but maybe with uh, the belief that that as this series goes on, they found some some answers to being able to maybe hold the Warriors down and and, and try and get back here for a Game Six on Friday. So that'll do it. Uh, thanks to Sterling Bennett and Craig Valentino and everybody in our San Francisco studios. Excellent work uh, by one and all. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday with Warriors wrap-up from Memphis. But uh, until then, keep it locked right here in your home for Warriors basketball as the Dubs beat the Grizz tonight, Game 4, Western Semis. They lead it three games to one. You heard it right here on 95.7 The Game. Good night. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.